0: Hello, folks. Welcome to the final edition of Inside the Marble Palace, Saskatchewan Post Media's look at the Saskatchewan Legislature and Saskatchewan politics. I'm Murray Mandrick, political columnist for the Regina Leader Post in Saskatoon, Star Phoenix. Joining me today, Adam Hunter of uh, CBC uh, Saskatchewan, provincial affairs reporter for... Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Hi, Murray. Hi, Zach. Hi, and Zach Becerra, who is our main COVID guy, I guess I can call you our main COVID guy in in, in Saskatoon, although uh, uh, you've done so many other things. And by the way, that's a great and wonderful series uh, in the paper right now that you're running. Uh, the paper's running right now, Zach, on how we have gotten to the problems related to uh, uh, the drug crisis and homelessness. Uh, such, a, such, such a good, solid piece, buddy. Good job.
1: Thank you so much, Murray. I I just hope you know I'm never going to introduce myself as main COVID
0: guy. Uh, Yeah, no. I don't
1: think that's going to earn me many friends these days.
0: Uh, No, in in either your colleagues or anybody that actually has to read our stuff because (laughs) uh, people are so sick of it. But but let's let's start with it because we have to. Uh, I guess the first place to start, Zach, is asking you about the latest developments, which include Premier's announcement last week that everybody that's 18 years and up is now eligible for a third shot in response to the coming Omicron uh, crisis. What's happening in Saskatchewan right now in relation to uh, Omicron and the fifth wave compared with what's has been happening elsewhere? And how is the whole rollout for The uh, third shot working right now.
1: That's right, Murray. So here in Saskatchewan, we've only detected a handful of cases linked to the Omicron variant of concern. We're worried about this variant, as Premier Scott Moe put it, because of how fast it spreads and what we've seen in other Canadian jurisdictions. The premier on Thursday went so far as to say this could be the most significant challenge we face yet. Even after the devastating delta wave, which saw us send nearly 30 people from this province to critical care beds in Ontario. So a very stark warning. Uh, The premier, though, declined to introduce any more public health measures, saying the case rates are still very low and instead said what we're doing about this is expanding access to third or booster doses of COVID-19 vaccine and shortening the interval between the second and third dose to three months. Uh, unfortunately, this has led to a little bit of confusion and panic, I think, fair to say, from some people. Everyone 18 and up is eligible for a third shot right now, but many pharmacists I've spoken to say they simply don't have the resources to deliver those shots. And we've seen already, it seems today uh, on Monday as the eligibility expands, there's a lot of business and a lot of people lining up at uh, some of the walk-in sites that are available for this shot. Um, I think on a grander sense, even though we don't know what the impact of this variant is going to be, you know, one epidemiologist I phoned the other day said it feels like Groundhog Day. Um, I think for many people in Saskatchewan, this is now the third or fourth time that they felt this kind of sense of, of dread as a new variant emerges. There's a suggestion case rates might rise and there's all of a sudden all this focus on what government is doing about it. We saw it very notably in the spring with the Alpha variant of concern. Uh, Then it happened again after the summer uh, with the Delta variant. And now the focus is on Omicron. And I think it's really escalated the fatigue, the frustration, uh, and the anger that a lot of people feel in this province as we enter the holiday season.
0: Just very briefly, if you possibly can, what do we know about Omicron that we didn't know before about the other variants at least in terms of its impact because one thing i am seeing is the knowledge base of the of the various variants seems to increase and, and uh, it, with each one and i might be wrong in this because it, it, we do know it's uh, a faster spreading um, uh, uh, variant but is there some hope because uh, i've read some articles that suggest this that it won't have the devastating impact that the Delta variant did in the fourth wave? I,
1: I, I mean, I think so. You know, one of the epidemiologists I talked to, Dr. Cordell Neudorf, he, he said something to the effect of this, which is that we need to kind of assess this with clear eyes and not cherry-pick the information that is closest to what we would like to believe. And I think that cuts both ways. Um, I think it is a huge mistake to assume that this variant – won't be severe and that it won't cause hospitalizations even if some hopeful early evidence might suggest that Uh, it's too soon to say for sure and that's what everyone is telling me basically i think it's also too early to assume that it's going to be as bad as delta just considering how much how you know severe that variant was when infections were caused Um, and one in one sense we know a lot but the experts I've been speaking to, Dr. Newdorf, Dr. Allison Kelvin, and Dr. Alexander Wong, an infectious disease physician in Regina, have all said basically that, hey, we need to have kind of a clear-eyed view on this. And, and you always want to err, if you can, on the side of caution, just based on what we learned in, with Delta and with the alpha waves. Um, so a lot of unknowns about this thing. It's, it's fair to say that. But at the same time, we also do know, you know, I think it's worth putting into context that we're in an infinitely better position than we were one year ago um most people in this province the vast majority in fact are vaccinated and we know vaccines do still offer protection against omicron when it comes to severe disease which is really important Um, we have access to things like rapid tests that weren't there before and we have proof of vaccination or recent uh recent negative test systems in place which is you know a layer of public health defense that didn't exist in this province before so i think worth putting those things into perspective as we as we head into this next wave um, but I th- I don't think anyone's feeling incredibly hopeful, unfortunately, as we enter the winter season. Just because this feels like a repeat again, and uh, you know whether that happens is to be seen. But uh, certainly morale is not very high, I think, Marie.
0: Th- th- that's interesting. I want you to get more into that when we sort of get into the area of summing up the year in COVID, uh, because this is fascinating to me, but I'm going to draw Adam into the conversation here to talk about Scott Moe's year in politics, which has been a year in COVID. And I guess I'd like to begin with what you are seeing in terms of his handling right now of uh, this, I guess, the end of the fourth wave and into the fifth and what, what, what was announced on Thursday versus what we might have seen from him earlier in the year or or a few months ago because i am sensing a little bit of a change here and i bring that up because a lot of people are very frustrated is is i think zach rightly points out that this is groundhog day that's over uh, the same thing over again so I, is there some am i reading too much into any level of reassurance that maybe that uh, we're seeing a little bit more uh uh, reality set in from uh, Scott Moe, uh, Health Minister, Paul Merriaman and the government as a whole, than maybe some of the political rhetoric we saw going into the summer and, and certainly uh, beyond? I think,
2: uh, you know, last week's announcement by the Premier was uh, quite different than what we've heard when something new has come up. So, when we first had Alpha or Delta, Um, There wasn't that same sort of seriousness, Uh, not that he wasn't taking it seriously, but he didn't mince any words when he said, you know, this is going to be our most significant challenge. And I think, you know, that call with the premiers uh, must have uh, been a wake-up call to many because uh, we saw a lot of provinces quickly move after that with their own measures. They're all different. Some moved to what Saskatchewan did. But uh, that was something that really stood out to me. I, I was, you know, we sometimes go into these news conferences not expecting, not knowing what to expect with, with Scott Moe. Sometimes he downplays, you know, the, you know what, what others are saying what the experts that Zach is talking to are saying. Other times he'll say, uh, you know, what they want to hear. And I think the example last week, a lot of experts were calling for that expansion of boosters right away. And the government did that and it, they were uh, applauded for it. On the other hand, we see them not go to gathering restrictions or gathering limits, Which is what a lot of other provinces have done in different ways uh, with you know different nuances here and there Scott Moe's big message leading up to Christmas was let's gather let's get together let's mend fences let's build bridges with people who are vaccinated who are unvaccinated and that kind of goes against don't see people who are unvaccinated that goes against limit your gatherings to 10 people and I think in Saskatchewan there are people out there that want to see the government come out and say if it's not going to be a public health order Make a very strong recommendation about what they should or shouldn't do for Christmas so they can have that backing when they go to their family or friends and say, listen, um, I'm not comfortable doing this and this is what the public health um, recommendations are. That is sort of lacking right now. Like there are, uh, are some recommendations, but that big messaging, we haven't heard from Dr. Shahab, we haven't heard, uh, you know, last week there was no SHA officials on that uh, during that news conference. It was the Scott Moe show uh, alone, uh, which is fine. But I think there is that missing public health element to it, which we've seen during other uh, waves. And I think that, you know, when we look back at 2021, you know, depending on what year, month you pick, you're going to need a different Scott Moe. Um, during Alpha in Regina, there was a very serious message. We had signs of warning people outside the city not to come in uh, because of what was happening. Vaccines were, were put, put out in large numbers to Regina because of the numbers and the spread. And also because of what happened in long-term care in January, then you go to the summertime, we had a very different Scott Moe, a handshake with Dr. Shahab, which is going to stick out in my mind as a, a major memory of 2021 that was kind of like, okay, this phase of the pandemic is over and maybe it is over for good. And we relaxed all restrictions. We ne- then know what happened to Alberta and Saskatchewan in the fall. Um, and he's right when he says he's never going to please everyone all the time. He's right when he says there's people that are going to be upset with him. And I think we've talked about that Already, as Zach has mentioned, with the Groundhog Day thing, people are over it. Uh, But at the same time, we see even today people rushing out to get boosters and really wanting that protection for themselves. There's lots of questions as well about whether people can get their kids vaccinated sooner than what NASA is recommending. So there is a, you know, people are still on high alert, I I think, in in large numbers here in Saskatchewan. May not be the same as other provinces, but there are enough people, as Zach mentioned, getting vaccinated that are fully protected. We do have more protections. Uh, but this Christmas season is going to be a test. We're going to see in a couple of weeks what our numbers look like, what the hospitalizations more importantly look like. And I think that's another thing that when Zach talks about going in with clear eyes, a lot of the experts and the things I've read are, let's wait and see what hospitalizations are, because case numbers can be deceiving. If you get a lot of cases, um, we're maybe not necessarily going to see uh, the same hospitalizations if those people are fully vaccinated or, or boosted, what age they are. We have to see in a couple of weeks. And unfortunately for Saskatchewan, we don't have that Offer of being able to send patients away to Ontario this time I don't think because other provinces are going to be dealing with the
0: exact same things Saskatchewan is well I I don't necessarily understand the message that I'm getting from some and certainly from the opposition leader Ryan Miley as to what it is that they think they want to do they're not specifically particularly from the opposition standpoint talking about restrictions in terms of family gatherings because that's mostly politically untenable at christmas time when you haven't had proper time to actually prepare to implement such things and there's the same problem with the federal government announcements last week related to travel you can't just overnight say be cautious about travel without putting in a travel ban or whatever else that we talked about in terms of what's what actually can be feasible and what actually can work i so i guess the question that i'm asking is that what is it that 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 would have been more effective for Scott Moe to do at this particular point uh, that people are criticizing him for not doing legitimately. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get a good sense of, of what that what that is. But what is it that people are kind of saying right now, Adam, that he should have been doing that he's not? I think he raises a really good
2: point, because I think Ryan Miley and the NDP,
0: excuse me, are in a tough, a
2: little bit of a tough spot because they aren't being super specific about what they want next. They're saying we want an Omicron plan, we want to see what you know the, the province is going to do to respond if there's X number of cases, hospitalizations, etc. And the government is saying, in fairness, you know this is brand new. This is something we're not sure uh, how it's going to affect the the province. And there is that cor- that sort of lockdown, uh, if you want to call it that, fatigue that's out there. And there is a political aspect to this as much as people want, may want to hate hearing that. Um, there's always a calculation of how many people do you want to upset with your with your with your measures. Um, uh, this, the, there were, uh, you know, public health experts out there that were saying, you know, everyone should go to gathering gathering <laughs> limits. You shouldn't be mixing with unvaccinated people. Uh, I think that's easier said than done. And what Jason Kenney said in Alberta, I think people might not like either, but it's the truth. It's People are going to gather whether you tell them to or not. And I think the, the what the premier maybe could have done, and what we could hear from Dr. Shahab, is some very clear guidance of here's what would happen potentially if you had a case in your house if that was Omicron and you had 10 people over. Here's how many people that would it would infect. And here's how it would maybe affect people that are immune compromised or, or aren't, aren't vaccinated or aren't, aren't boosted. I think that is something that would be clear. Uh, but as far as gathering limits go in Saskatchewan, we're so far past that right now. And that really hasn't been the, the conversation that I think it's hard for the premier to go from zero to, okay, you can't have crowds at your, your kids hockey games or we're going to shut down the WHL or whatever it is that we've seen with some other crowd measures in other provinces but that may happen if, if we get an explosion of cases but as of right now they're kind of in a, in a place where they had to go to boosters that was what people were calling for and past that I think gathering limits but as you say Murray right before Christmas with really no warning to people and I think Scott Mo obviously, is feeling what happened last Christmas as well, as he was criticized for, for doing that gathering restriction over Christmas. Um, he's saying he's going to meet with his family. It's hard for him to
0: go back on that now. Uh, let's bring you back into uh, COVID for the years, Zach. What do you see as the lowlights, the highlights, the successes, and the failures? I think if you want to start with
1: the lowlights, like the lowest point, to me, unquestionably – is the fourth wave of COVID-19 in this province. Uh, It was sort of a political, it was sort of a perfect political storm and a perfect health crisis kind of meshed together at once. Because as Adam mentioned, there was that iconic handshake between Premier Scott Moe and Dr. Shahab. There was a statement that, hey, basically the day of government telling you what to do is over. Um, The language was crystal, crystal clear on that over the summer cases start to rise it becomes more and more evident this is not over Um, the top public health officials in the province are saying hey we need these basic measures if you want to stop this time and time again we get a very clear and consistent no from from scott several several times and then there was that press conference in september where all of a sudden scott mo did everything he said he wasn't going to do in terms of a proof of vaccination system in terms of a mask mandate just a sudden just very sharp reversal um, and even that ended up really not being enough. We, we got to a point where we had to send uh, you know, more than two dozen people from this province to critical care in Ontario, and some of those people never came back. Some of those people passed away there. Um, we created a massive surgery backlog for ourselves that we are now going to take, it looks like, years and years to get through, even in the most optimistic scenario. Um, there was obviously loss of life, and pretty much every part of society that had resumed a state of normal-ish... Was again disrupted. I think the fourth wave is, is unquestionably a, a dark low point of the pandemic, and I think proof of that is that Scott Mo acknowledged that he regrets not implementing those measures a couple of weeks earlier. And is
0: that is that his highlight at this particular point, Zach? Where I, he, 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 I think I
1: think if you want to talk about a, a highlight for Scott Mo in terms of a in terms of a moment of of sort of you know like really pulling it off, um, one of the things I remember was when uh, Doctor Doctor Shahab was facing harassment from protesters, um, yeah. you know, attacking him for, you know, his, his measures, but also attacking him, let's be frank, for his ethnicity with some for very racist remarks. And we saw the premier kind of stand up for Dr. Shahab in a very real way and, and Dr. Shahab stand up for himself. I think that was a powerful moment that sticks with me throughout the course of the pandemic. Um, I think a highlight for for, for Scott Moe was probably that press conference with Shahab where he was able to shake his hand and say, hey, we've made it through and we've done it um because you know he's been no he's made it very clear that he doesn't like the idea of gathering restrictions he doesn't like the idea of government telling you what to do he doesn't think it's it's right he doesn't think it's an enviable position for any government to be in so i think for him that was definitely the highlight was being able to relax those restrictions and and, and get that done for sure um in terms of where we are now after all of that chaos and 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 all of those ups and downs that kind of yo-yoing year I don't really know where we are. It feels like the yo-yo is kind of spinning in place and we're going to have to see if it goes up or down. Um, but n- no question, it's been just sort of a banana's year in terms of, of how quickly this has oscillated from very, very good to very bad.
0: Do, do you get the same sense, Adam? Uh, and I, I, I'd like to ask you the same question, but maybe give you the freedom to speak a, a, about non-COVID issues a little bit there better. What were Scott Moe's Political highlights and lowlights in in 2021.
2: It's so hard to divorce COVID from all the other things that happened. I think it really overshadows, obviously, some of the other things that happened in the year. I think it's hard to believe that this is the year that Saskatchewan lost the carbon tax challenge. Uh, after after all those years of coverage, you, speaking of myself and you, Murray specifically, you know, we've written lots of articles, spent a lot of time in press conferences, covered court court decisions. Um, this was kind of went out with a whimper right rather than a bang as Scott Mo always promised and we still are you know subject to the backstop here in Saskatchewan and will be for the foreseeable future and I I remember being in that press conference and that was in the radio room where we've seen so many of these COVID newsers and it was another moment of defeat um, really for for the Premier where he had to say the words you know we're going to have a carbon price in this province that's made in Saskatchewan and that's not something he ever wanted to I think do and, and admit to, and that happened this year, if, you, if you'll remember, uh, that was before you know, a lot of this stuff uh, took off. Um, and I think also, you know, Cow stands out to me as well as another moment, and maybe that's not a Premier Scott Moe moment, but um, it does have, you know, repercussions for the province. The province was quick to uh, give money out to different First Nations that wanted to do their own ground searches. Um, they didn't, you know, downplay it. There was a lot of uh, support for specifically Chief Cadmus Um We know that the legislature was the site of uh, a bit of a, uh, de- you know, a lot of demonstrations, but also memorials on the steps there that lasted up until I think, you know, maybe the second snow this, this winter. So um, those are two things that I think are major. And as we look into, ahead to 2022, I think, there are different issues that are going to come up that aren't COVID-related. Obviously, the budget is a big one, uh, the deficit that continues to grow, the debt that continues to grow, and also you know, what the government's going to do about it. Zach mentioned surgeries. There's a whole host of healthcare, um, you know, issues that the government's going to have to deal with. They need, they need new leadership at the SHA. We'll wonder how that's impacted things over the last few weeks. And there's also going to be questions that are legislative related, like the security that the government says is not their own security force that's going to quell protesters. They're adamant about that, although the opposition has a lot of different feelings. Um, So there are going to be headaches outside of uh, the regular ones, uh, as we know. And, you know, COVID is just something that I think just took over. And I look back to the summer and Zach mentioned it, you know, Scott Mo and Paul Merriman had many chances to um, put in measures that were being asked for uh and they didn't do it until they were basically absolutely had to at the last moment there was criticism about them being on the golf course and even one ctv reporter had to track scott mo down uh on a golf course to ask questions because look government yeah. wasn't responding to any media questions about covid and so i think what i saw last week from the premier is very different from that he was ahead of this omicron is very new to all of us and i think um he uh, he had in this case had come out and, and told saskatchewan people that they're on it they're watching it. it may not be what everyone wants as far as measures and announcements but um the government isn't isn't dismissing it they're not they're not downplaying it as being a threat
0: well it's just so much this year and, and 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 so much to cover and and thanks for covering so much of it in this uh particular podcast guys you did an amazing job both of you this year and I just always loved looking forward to seeing your stuff on in broadcaster or in print or wherever what w- was available because uh, it was a great service Adam Zach thank you so much and we will hopefully see you in the new year on inside the Marble Palace uh, thanks uh, so much I wish we had more time to talk about the year but uh, this is about all the time happy new Year guys and Merry Christmas thanks Zach thanks Murray great work this year guys happy holidays